Yeah, the only problem is the time difference, but we'll make it work. Listen, I've done shows where I've talked to Australia and New Zealand. Three hours is nothing. Okay, good. And they're like a day ahead almost. Yeah, they're, they're talking to me from the future. It's crazy. Welcome <laughs> to wherever you are. My name is Ryan McNeil in Toronto, Canada. You are listening to episode 290 of the matinee cast. I guess I got to start thinking about what I'm going to do for 300th episode. It's the movie loving podcast of the matinee.ca, your home for cinematic passion and perspective. Uh, today, folks, um, I'm really excited. We've got an old friend on the show, somebody who I've known for quite some time, but just haven't had on as often as possible. We both follow each other and keep up with what each other's doing. And in that strange way that i'm noticing more and more life is drifting a little bit away from film that's i don't know if if you've noticed this but i've noticed this like the people who were deeply ensconced in the art form when i first started on this little project 10 something years ago they're now you know like they're more committed to their 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 jobs or their lives or their children or you know what i mean and and there's there's they still love film but other things have kind of taken over and maybe like me the writing kind of falls off or or that sort of thing but the passion remains and that's all that matters when it comes time for a guest we are across the wire to california this evening we are talking to keisha horvath how are you tonight i'm good how are you doing in canada not bad it's been a weird couple weeks um both positives and negatives i'm getting a little bit of whiplash uh, I, I've, I've mentioned off the top of the last show that I'm getting more and more into making cocktails at the end of the night, and I'm starting <laughs> to realize it's uh, a little bit of creativity and a little bit of a coping mechanism. So, um, you know, there's worse things. On episode 290, we will be discussing Nope. We first need to learn more about Keisha. This is Know Your Enemy. So Keisha first appeared on episode 247. We talked about American Utopia, David Byrne's American Utopia. We learned that the first film she'd ever seen in the theaters was Star Wars A New Hope. That's the 1997 special edition. The last film she'd seen at the time was The Killer Who Stalked Me. The worst film she's ever seen is The Outlaw with Jane Russell. The unseen classic or essential is The Terminator. And the film she wished she made was the Busby Berkeley Footlight Parade. Keisha returned for a second round on episode 270. We talked about No Time to Die. We learned the film she digs, but nobody else does, is Eurovision. The film everybody else likes, but she doesn't. Neither do I. Is Step Brothers. The last film to make her cry was It's a Wonderful Life. In the movie of her life, she'd be played by Aubrey Plaza, and the film she was watching next was Bergman Islands. Time for round three. Ms. Howarth, interpret this question any way you wish. What was the film that made your love of cinema turn a corner so growing up i didn't watch too many like classic movies like older like pre-1970 type movies right just like little handfuls here and there Mm -hmm. and it wasn't until college when i took like a film history class that i started kind of getting more into film okay and one of the assignments was watching three movies by one of like a list of directors and the professor listed three movies to watch from that director. Right. And so I was thinking I should go with Alfred Hitchcock. The movie to answer this question 
would be rear window, which wasn't assigned. Huh. But it was just like bouncing off of watching Dial M for Murder, which was assigned. Yeah. And I was like curious about Grace Kelly <laughs> and then their other collaboration. And I was like, right. I've heard a lot about Rear Window. Mm-hmm. I should check this one out. And then I was kind of just like mind blown watching the whole thing because it's primarily in that apartment and just yeah. like how rivet- riveting it is watching that whole story unfold. Rear Window. I, I feel as though I came to that later it's very strange i think a lot of hitchcock came to me as concepts before i actually sat down and watched the film like i knew that was the one about the fear of heights and that was the one about the man who was who's a mistaken identity and that was the one that's all in one shot i knew those kinds like i I never actually like sat down and really watched them so they all came to me as concepts first i want to say with rear window i got to that you know mid to late 20s like after after college and that kind of thing uh, and you're right it's um it's i mean it's it's like a lot of his movies it's actually surprisingly twisted uh it's, mm-hmm. as, as time goes on we're learning like how more and more not okay a lot of his concepts were um, yeah <laughs> grace, grace kelly in that movie is just i mean she's grace kelly like that that's you know that that's all you really need to say it's funny because i think now jimmy stewart might be one of the few people who you could get to play somebody who spends their day just basically you know snooping on other people why was it that one though was like was that the one that launched you really towards classic film like when because at that point it was still kind of eating your vegetables was that where it was like all of a sudden the light switch went on and and you you wanted more like you wanted another hit yeah, because that was like the first one where like I actually went and sought out the movie instead of just watching mm-hmm. it because like it was part of an assignment. Because mm-hmm. uh, my parents have like this whole like library of movies, right? So I, they have like a ton of like old movies. So I just picked out Rear Window from the shelf. Okay, okay, and you're like, oh shit, mom and dad actually have some taste. Yeah, and then I had seen it's a wonderful life previous to this, like right. years before. Right. And I'd always been kind of intrigued by Jimmy Stewart, but this was only the second time I've seen him okay. in a movie. So then I started watching like more of his stuff and then just like branching off from there. Cause then it's like he did Philadelphia story with Kerry Grant and Catherine Hepburn and then just going into their filmographies and just this whole. Oh, okay. So it was, it was <laughs> kind of that first domino. Okay. Yeah, Is, exactly. Isn't it, isn't it trippy when you realize your parents actually have taste? <laughs> yeah. It's and like, they do have great taste. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> like I remember, you know, my like turning up my nose at my parents' record collection. But then as time went on and on and on, I like realized how actually they had pretty good stuff. Um, what I think about when I think about Rear Window is my apartment now. This is now the second episode that you and I have done from this space. I look across at another building. And oh no! It's well, it's not even like. It's not like Jimmy Stewart. Like I do not need binoculars. I am across four lanes of traffic from the next mm-hmm. building. Like I could probably throw a baseball to one of their balconies very easily. I try not to look in windows. Like yeah. I'm really, really hyper cognitive of not staring at my neighbors. Like if they're out on their balcony, okay. But I try not to. Like oh, they're watching Drag Race, that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. So when I th- whenever I think about Rear Window and think about him people watching, because I do like to people watch 
in a public space. Right. You know, but when I think about him, people watching in a private space, I always think about how when I'm outside, I really try not to do that. Okay. I like that. The whole into classics, into your parents' collections. That's a great answer. Okay, Keisha, what was your first date movie? So this one I'm a little fuzzy on just because my boyfriend in high school, it was one of those situations where we were friends first and we'd always go to the movies together. Okay. So it's just determining like which one was like, where were we actually dating and saw a movie together? Okay. And the one that I, furthest back that I could recall was Twilight. <laughs> so. Okay. okay. <laughs> he so was a good sport about it though. <laughs> he chose it. You tell me he chose it. Um, I mean, it was kind of like a mutual thing just because he knew like, I was like at that time, like really obsessed with Twilight. <laughs> so it was kind of just like a treat for me. Okay. And there was like a bunch of girls in the audience. So. Of course there were. Of course yeah. there were. Um, okay. And, and I imagine like, you know, typical two kids at a multiplex kind of, kind of, kind of, kind of experience. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Okay. All right. That's, that's awesome. I love that. Um, <laughs> okay. Listen, I saw that movie might have told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again now. Um, I, you know, I, I consider myself up on pop culture, even if it's not my thing. I can, you know, right. not be able to, to talk, you know, an hour's worth of content about the new Gossip Girl, but I'm aware that there is a new Gossip Girl. That kind exactly. Of I will always remember getting off the subway one morning in would have been 2008 or early 2009 and seeing on the cover of a magazine Kristen Stewart and Robert Pattison in their, like the first publicity still of them is, as Twilight uh, as, as mm-hmm. and Edward. And I was like, what is this on the cover of this magazine? And why don't I know about this? Like it was the first moment where I really felt out of the loop. Oh no. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So I, I was like, Oh, it's those books that I always see in the bookstore. Okay. I now, now I know what it's talking about. Right. Cause I had the cover of the book. In the yeah. Movie. All right. The iconic cover. Just kidding. Exactly. <laughs> well, I mean, it is. It's like, you know, yeah. graphic designer, they, they got their Yeah. Um, I, can, I can throw a lot of shade at that property, but design is not one of them. <laughs> um, so I read that first book. And I'm like, well, this is not for me. Uh, but uh, all right. I was like, maybe it'll make a good movie. So I went and saw that movie. I was like, well, this is not for me either. But I was just, I was curious at every step of the way because I was like, here is this pop culture milestone really and that was the thing was like, yeah it's so popular and i could tell that the hype was like building for the movie i was like and i just felt so out of the loop so it's funny that that was like something for you and something that you went about and i was like older enough than both of you that i had like kind of no clue it was coming yeah you weirdly know? enough my obsession with that was only lasted maybe like 2008 because I never finished the last book and I never saw the last two movies. So I think you're, okay. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> I've, I've heard about some of the stuff that goes on. I think you're all right. Just, yeah, I've read like yeah. the bullet points of it. I'm just like, I'm, yeah. I think I'm good now. <laughs> that's, that's, that's what I do. If there's a TV show that I'm just kind of curious about how a certain plot bed wrapped up and I don't want to keep watching episodes, I just wiki. Yeah. Same. Same. Don't have time for everything. Beautiful. Keisha, what is your sick day movie? Please don't tell me it's twilight. <laughs> no, that would make me sick. 
But ideally, it would be like a 1930s, 1940s screwball comedy, just because like the zaniness of it all would distract me from it. I remember a few years ago, I just popped in bringing up baby and (laughs) that made me feel a little bit better. (laughs) So that would be an example of a sick day movie for me. You know what I like about those movies is they're peaceful. It's very strange because they're very talky. Right. But at the same time at that stage, they didn't feel the need to fill every scene with soundtrack. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like some yeah. there are there are a lot of lovely scores in that time, but they had they were a little bit more economical with the score. So somebody mm-hmm. walking into the room music, somebody didn't necessarily need driving up the road music. I was even thinking about this in like um I was watching Double Indemnity the other night. Not that that's Super Bowl. No, right. Do not get those- <laughs> <laughs> but like how a lot of the times when when they're walking around or when they're, especially when he's driving back and forth to her place, like the music kind of is really, really gentle, really comes and goes. Like there's a lot of times where it's blaring and doing that film noir thing, but it's just, yeah. I, I think what I like about those movies for a sick day is they're calm. Like, you know, they're, they're, they're happy and they're slappy and they're, and they're, you know, like you hear, you know, Cary Grant and uh, Catherine Hepburn doing their 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 speech because they 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 speak that way <laughs> the mid Atlantic you know, accent yeah yeah but it's not always undercut with like blaring horns and strings mm-hmm. and all that so, and there's something just comforting watching something in black and white yeah for me, so yeah okay all right I like it next time I'm not feeling good I'm gonna put on some screwball comedies I like that would is it is it too late or would Monkey Business also count. I think that's like kind of like at the sure. end of it, but I, I would still count it just because there is like kind of wackiness in that movie. Gotcha. I love that movie so much. <laughs> Sorry, just any any excuse I can have to work that one in, I, I take it. What was the last film to leave you speechless? Um, this is probably kind of an unconventional answer, but just a couple weeks ago, for the very first time, I saw Face Off. <laughs> and like i knew like the very bare minimum (laughs) about that movie and so i would just like could not believe how absurd everything is but it was awesome (laughs) it's magnificent i mean it is so shitty but it is just magnificently shitty there there had to be a moment where you were saying to yourself what am i watching Come oh, on, like multiple times, multiple share, times. Share it with the group. What was the one moment that really jumped out and you're like, what is this? I mean, even just like the beginning where it's like, oh, we're going to like switch your faces. Because like, I knew it, there was like a body swapping of some sort, but I didn't know they were like they literally actually, actually taking off the faces. Yeah. And just seeing John Travolta and Nicolas Cage like embody each other's characters was a lot of fun to watch because i saw this in a theater so that kind of heightened the experience tell me it was a full house too it was pretty i mean i saw it at the academy museum which is like a huge theater so it wasn't like academy museum yes it was amazing wow oh i'm so jealous because it was nominated for one oscar so they're like okay we're gonna show this yeah it was sound but 
it's one of those like because they used to have like a ton of sound categories now it's just yeah. like one category so it technically doesn't exist anymore right but. right oh that's incredible <laughs> okay listen i love that movie it is it's terrible but it's just like it's it's just it's such wonderful garbage Nicholas no, Cage, seriously he, he is, like he is just like not holding back at all john woo with like you know when we talked about the when we talked about um uh, massive talent on this episode on the mm-hmm. show two episodes ago we talked about like the severe lack of doves i love that there's the doves mm-hmm. you know, i love that there's the boat chase i love that there's so many guns oh it's it's, it's just, like all the action cliches like bumped up to 100 one of them and yes two of the hammiest actors in like modern history basically doing each other as the, oh Yes. Okay. Yeah. I, I can only imagine like seeing that now. I'd be like, "What is this?" It, at the time, you know, when I, when I was younger, and I saw that, I was just like, Mwah. It was. I'm exactly- glad I like went into it like practically blind yeah. too, because I just like made it all better. <laughs> so much that you saw that blind as a grown up. Oh, that's yeah. That's a fantastic answer. I love it. Uh, okay. Finally, there's no way you're gonna top that answer. Uh, <laughs> I know. What is what is a movie quote? Uh, we don't want you to go anytime soon, but what is a movie quote that would be your epitaph? So I think my answer here is um, kind of influenced by recently being reminded of Billy Wilder's tombstone. It yeah. says, like his name, I'm a writer, but nobody's perfect. So I'm like, well, you know what? That's a perfect quote. Well, nobody's perfect. I'll put that on mine. <laughs> Won't be as powerful, but it's true. I I like it a lot. Uh, I I need to there. It will be in the show notes because I cannot remember it off the top of my head. But the the quote that I always come back to is there was somebody who won an Oscar uh, for I, I want to say it was like best international short or something to that effect uh, in the late nineties. And when he got up there to accept his Oscar, he said, "I would like to thank God, but I don't believe in God, so I will thank Billy Wilder." That's awesome. And, and Billy Wilder was watching like at home that year. So I'll, I'll find out who that was uh, and put it in the show notes. I'll put a picture of that tombstone in the show notes. I like it. Yeah, I'm a writer, but no, it was perfect. Very good. Well, uh, that's more about Keisha. You'll learn more about her when she inevitably shows up for another episode. Uh, at this point, I'm going to say February. Um, but, Sounds uh, good to me. All right. Uh, for now, though, we are going to go into the new slang. Uh, we are not going to do the other side this episode. We're just going to try and turn this one over quick. So um, we're going to talk about this movie. I feel like we'll be talking about this movie for a minute or two anyway. So you'll uh, you'll have some good content uh, on 290. Um, the new slang this time is nope. Right after this. Nope is directed and written by Jordan Peele. It stars Daniel Kaluuya, Kiki Palmer, Stephen Yun, and Michael Wincott. Nope is about the Haywood family, now down to siblings OJ and Emerald. That's Kaluuya and Palmer. 
They are horse trainers that specialize in working with film and television uh, and are struggling to keep the business afloat after the untimely and mysterious death of their father. Nope is also about Jupe, that's Stephen Yun, a one-time child actor turned theme park owner. He has parlayed his trauma into a complete carnival of the lowest order and is not above disregarding the well-being of others if it means he can get ahead. Finally, Nope is about all of these people having a close encounter with an ominous presence lurking over them in the California clouds. OJ, Emerald, and Jupe are all in proximity of the UFO, and while their reactions are varied, the indelible effect this visitor has on their lives is constant. It's difficult to know where to begin with Nope. Like, literally, coming up with this intro was really difficult. It's a film that comes with expectations and preconceptions. It's a film that's about an awful lot and likewise very little. Thinking through it, one can't help but notice a theme running through the film is how one responds to a loss. One family is looking to get their business flourishing after losing the patriarch. Another man has spurred his own trauma into a life that would make P.T. Barnum proud. The experience of seeing this movie is even a response to loss, as to soak it in, after so much time sequestered at home, we are asked to go back out into the world and do what we used to do carefree. So, pop quiz hotshot. With all of these themes and responses of loss what was the one that resonated to you the most definitely jupe's story just because it was so visceral and kind of we see much more of his backstory compared to oj and emerald and then just seeing how he kind of funneled that trauma into something that could make him money basically it's strange seeing him do that like you know it's it's you kind of think of um all sorts of child actors who have gone on to do other things and some of them you can see are really carrying uh the weight of what they used to do others are you know trying to leave that all behind um he kind of seems to be this one who's like i don't know in the middle yeah because the whole his backstory with the TV, the sitcom he was on is kind of hidden in his office, but it's still out there for people if they have the right amount of money. Yeah, really. No, that's a good answer. I think for me, what really embodied a response to a loss was it was, it's just a kind of a side touch, but it was one of these things that really is going to stick with me in this, in this movie. It's this one not even a secondary character, but like a tertiary character. The actor's name is Sophia Cotto. The character's name is Mary Jo Elliott. Um, she was one of the castmates on this sitcom that uh, that Jupe was on as a kid. We learn at the beginning of this movie that the sitcom was the um, stage, literally and figuratively, of an animal actor, um, you know, giving into its own animal instincts and having a violent outburst and it really taking it out on this one actor and disfiguring her. We see her come back later into Jupe's carnival. And when we do, she's like so clearly like disfigured that she hides by, behind this hat and, and veil. Like it's actually very mm-hmm. ceremonial, hat and veil. And I think what really affected me was like, here's somebody who is obviously very, very self-conscious about 
this trauma that they have taken but at the same time they can't just like go live their life like they still have to get out there and have to make these appearances and have to you know engage because i guess because like she needs the money or something or or there's some need that puts her back out into this public sphere Mm -hmm. you know juke talked her into it with a lot of money i don't know but seeing that and just i was so uncomfortable seeing that character and seeing here's somebody who really has had some had a huge loss in their life and yet you know is is trying or or is basically put back into the the, the public arena um even though she doesn't necessarily entirely want to be not really hit me yeah and then even the fact that she's also wearing a shirt with her child actor face on it too yeah it's It's just kind of haunting in a way yeah, it's 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 touches like that that are really really you know stick with you. What did you think of of Nope as a film? I enjoyed it, but the thing with the movie, there was like a lot of ideas out there, but I don't think they all kind of gelled together perfectly. Mm-hmm. But I think overall, it was um, an entertaining experience for what it was. I think we're of a similar mind. I was, I was kind of hoping that one of us would like really be championing it and one of us would really hate it, but um, <laughs> we're both kind of in the middle. And I would say for me, it, you know, I do try to leave my own expectations at the door and walk in and take these movies on their own merit. This is not exactly what I wanted, which is not a right thing. You know, I do enjoy when a film surprises me and I go and sit down and I'm like, Oh, it's about that. Okay. Um, Part of why it wasn't what I wanted is um, I don't feel it was kind of up to what I was expecting. That said, it is it does have a lot of interesting pieces. I'm not sure if all those pieces fit together. I'm very much like yeah, I'm exactly. Not sure if the puzzle exactly matches what's on the box, um, but the pieces are really really interesting. Um, I did want to start with the performances. Um, you know, we have. Kaluuya and Palmer uh, at the front of this movie as um, OJ and Emerald, um, you know, the siblings. What what jumped out about their performances for you? It's hard to really take your eyes off of either of them, but for like completely different reasons, because they're kind of like polar opposite personalities. Mm. Watching Daniel Kaluuya and like anything, you're just like automatically drawn to his gaze. Yeah. And he's a very stoic figure in this and i mean they call back a lot to kind of like film history and where black people are kind of placed in that or not seen in that and it's interesting kind of having his character as this sort of stoic figure kind of take on almost like a cowboy western type of stereotype in a way just kind of quiet and reserved yeah whereas Kiki Palmer as Emerald, she's much more forthcoming and she is just like a very charismatic presence and kind of seeing them play off of each other is what kind of kept me engrossed in their dynamic and their part of the story. Kaluuya is given a really, you know, it's, it's funny because he's given a showy part, even though he plays it, like you said, very stoic, very quiet, very um, reserved. Uh, we've seen now, you know, for, for years now, we've been seeing him do all kinds of things. I mean, shit, he's an Oscar winner now, so <laughs> that's cool to say. Um, 
But we've seen him do all kinds of different things. We've seen him get very loud. We've seen him get very vulnerable. Uh, we, we've, we've seen him, you know, we've seen him get violent. Um, he's got a lot of things going on in this movie. He's got a desperation. He's got a quietness in this movie. He's got a sadness in this movie. He's got a lot of fear, but he's also got a lot of determination. Like the hand that he has dealt at the beginning of this movie where, you know, he's, he's got to watch his father, like watch his father die in this freak accident. Yeah. Shrapnel raining from the sky, you know, of of all, like of all the ways you kind of think that your parents are going to go, that is not one of them. Um, And then to try to keep this legacy going, like, you know, to hear Emerald tell it or to hear their father tell it of how they are descended from the first movie star and, they're, you know, they know their stuff and they're as good as any other game out there. Um, but because they're a small business, possibly, probably because they're a black owned business, mm-hmm. they have a harder time getting the work. So we watch him take on that weight of all of that, you know, and then aliens. <laughs> it's, it's, it's incredible to watch him work. On the other side, we have kiki who's you know she, she's been around but she, this is kind of I, I dare say this is probably her showiest part so far um in 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 major films on the one hand she's given the easier play because she's much more outgoing she's much more of a smart ass like in my head i can already hear five stars angel five stars you yes know? <laughs> When she's when she's talking to the tech guy and even giving him his review, and you know we're all about the hustle these days. We're all about like and subscribe, myself included. Um, you know she's given a lot more, but even watching her go through the machinations of the plot to try to capitalize on what they're seeing, to to, to see her express how sad she was being left behind out of the business. She's actually given a lot to do. In this movie, she's not mm-hmm. just the sassy sister. She's actually, her character is given a lot of complexity. Yeah. And I thought, especially like towards in the third act, towards the climax, you see the whole range of emotions from her. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, I love them both as leads. Uh, and then of course the, the really, really complicated part and the person who we should not be we should not be surprised because he's just been cranking out the hits this decade and in the decade before. Stephen Yun is Jupe. This part, this performance is amazing. Of course, with just how disturbing his whole backstory is, what really sells it is also just him in that present time. Mm-hmm. And just kind of like you see, he almost kind of has a mask on as far as just covering up like what's kind of bubbling inside of him. It's wild to see him do this. We are witness to the ferocity of Steven Young as an, as an actor. I, I, I would love to say that we all saw this coming with walking dead, but I think walking dead actually sold him short on what he's capable of and watching him now in movies like this in movies like burning in movies like Minyari. It, we are really starting to see just how talented this guy is. Another Oscar nominee. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say I'll be happier when he's holding a trophy. Um, right. You know, how do you embody somebody who just never processed their trauma and who had several options on how to deal with it and so clearly chose the wrong one? 
but at the same time has been so successful doing it. Um, you know, it, it's, it's equal parts behind the music. And as I said, PT Barnum. I mean, it's kind of similar, I guess, in a way to how um, Daniel Kaluuya has a sort of quiet performance. He does as well, but then he has the burst of showmanship in front of like the crowd of people at Jupiter's claim yeah. and just kind of seeing how he has to put it on and then like turn it off mm-hmm. until like the very end. And he's just like awestruck by what's in front of his eyes. It's very all that jazz, better call Saul showtime, yes. you know? <laughs> um and then, of course, so we can't talk about this movie without circling around to Jordan Peele. Um, you know, it's kind of trippy to say after only six years of how long ago was Get Out? Was Get Out 2016 or 2017? 17, I think. Yeah, 2017. After only five years of making films, three years of three, three years of three, three movies over five years. It's kind of crazy to think about Jordan Peele as a brand. And yet... That's exactly how the studios are now treating him because he's like, he's the brand even when he's a producer. Like I remember last summer, Candyman was trotted out as a Jordan Peele production. Mm-hmm. He had a Costa film. Um, so now we're three films in and now we have some variety to what he's going to do. And I dare say even variety in terms of the results where are we at with Jordan Peele for you? He's definitely a name now where if he has a new movie out, I want to go out and see it, which I've done so far for his three movies. Yeah. I mean, get out. I was slightly late to just cause I didn't get to it until like after a couple weeks of like crazy word of mouth. Right. But then when us came out, I was there opening day. Same with Nope. And even though I would say, each movie is kind of like I liked less than the previous one. I still very much enjoy all three of them. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be there for the next one and the one after that. <laughs> we, we talked last episode about how filmmakers get anointed really, really quickly by the fandoms as, oh, you're the next one. You know, you're the next one. And we were talking about it in terms of the indie darlings, the people like... Colin Trevorrow and Max Landis and those kinds of those kinds of directors, right? Like, and going up, mm-hmm. Denny Villeneuve and, and Christopher Nolan. Um, Peel, on the one hand, I mean, he got his flowers very, very quick. Um, yeah, like won an Oscar in, on his first movie. Yeah, God, like, and I mean, listen, he is a really clever writer. He is a very funny guy with his first film like that is filmmaking at its highest order in just just top to bottom that movie absolutely mm-hmm. just you know great i don't think like what I, what i'd say now is he's certainly shown that that wasn't a fluke that wasn't beginner's luck that wasn't that one story that everybody has in their drawer he has more stories to tell he's a very very gifted storyteller what's going to be interesting is as he keeps telling these parables basically um yeah. how how good is he at telling them you know like how much will we care about the messaging how much will we care about is it just entertaining how, that's what's gonna be the interesting thing i know he said 
he had the first four movies mapped out. He had four movies to talk about four different topics of, you know, modern culture. Um, so, you know, we had the racism, the class of uh, divide. Now we have something that we're going to talk about in a second. And then he's got a fourth. So once he'll get, once he gets past that and he just starts like making movies, where are we going to be? You know, I think he's going to be, when I, when I think about how he tells films and marries, marries up, the, the funny and the scary or, you know, and, and certainly puts some thought into it. It's going to be good. I don't know if necessarily he's going to be a, br- I hope he's a brand because he's a very successful man and very successful, you know, um, um, storyteller. And he's propping up a lot of people as he goes, which I love to see, mm-hmm. um, but we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. So I mentioned get out had the theme of racism in modern culture. Um, us had the theme of the class divide in modern culture this film is all about spectacle and our addiction to spectacle um how we all love a car wreck it's in the scripture verse that opens this film this the ver the the quote that opens the movie on the the card the title card says i will cast abominable filth upon you make you vile make you a spectacle that's from nahum chapter three verse six uh that opens this film um what do we make about this this theme of spectacle like does he pull it off does it work is it apt what do you think i mean i think for the most part he pulls it off and it definitely all kind of comes to a head like towards that third act when the TMZ motorcyclist pops up and he just kind of, you kind of see how he feels about that particular way of capturing something on camera and just the way that character is treated. You like never see that person's face. And then that person is kind of just discarded. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Um, He doesn't actually, well, I mean, he doesn't even really have a name. His name is writer. Mui Bridge um, is this the character name? Um, this is where the film starts to get sticky for me because I don't entirely know if he was able to connect the dots. Like I, I, I certainly get where he's going that we are drawn to carnage. We are drawn to occurrences that have no nourishing value. You know what I mean? Like we, we, it's, 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 it's not worth stopping and soaping up. It's not bearing witness. It is literally rubbernecking in some cases. And I don't, I don't know that he has enough to say like, yeah, it's bad. You know, it's, it's, it's terrible that we are interested in seeing animals treated poorly. It is, it is terrible that we are interested in watching people get their feelings hurt for our amusement but what are what is he saying about it? Is it just that it's bad? Because we know that, um, you know that, that, yeah. that that's 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 where the movie doesn't quite land for me. It's like it's like yeah, it doesn't quite it, go over that fence. Yeah, of point. It's just kind of like showing it in different little scenarios, hmm. but not quite pushing us further. I, I think about us. Like I know everybody loves to to talk about Get Out to the Hills, but you know, us for me is is just as good a movie. Yeah, I loved us. Go ahead and at me. I don't care. What I love about us is the way that a character is meant to confront 
the lower class version of themselves. Because if we were faced with that reality, we would all just be haunted. And this character is. I don't know what the, like the, the characters in this movie, like the spectacle is never forced to confront the spectacle. Like what is what is the what is the reality or is it just that spectacle is bad because i think we all know that um is it that we are laying lives to waste i'm not not entirely sure uh it's it's interesting for sure but i'm not it's the kind of thing where i'd love to like dig a little bit deeper but at the same time i'd also like that to be on the screen just a little bit more yeah you know and then as someone who works in the news industry yeah we have like this is cynical saying if it bleeds, it leads. Yeah. So there's that kind of like, there's always that thought in my head and just like my day to day life and just how we need to see like picks or didn't happen basically. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's actually a great point. Cause that actually leads me to my next point. The other thing that this movie does and this one lands is the theme our and listen, I am guilty of this shit. Yes. <laughs> um, the trend to document the, you know, we need to take pictures of the restaurant we were at. We need to take pictures of, listen, guilty, your honor, the books we are reading, the cocktails we are making, the, the park we are sitting in. We, if, if we don't take a picture, it's like, did it happen? And I look at things like, I remember somebody who I follow on Twitter was at Derek Jeter's last game. We were talking about baseball before this broadcast. Mm -hmm. I'm going to bring it back to baseball. Somebody I know was at Derek Jeter's last game. And Derek Jeter's last game, he actually got the game-winning hit. And this person took a picture of it on on his phone as it happened. This person was miles out in center field. And their picture is of little dots in the middle of Yankee Stadium. And I'm thinking Mm -hmm. in my head, rather than just witness that amazing moment happen yeah you had your phone out and you took something that is not you know not good content it's yours it's great you documented it fantastic but it is not you know something that was worth the experience this film takes it in a whole different direction this film takes it into documenting terrible things documenting carnage documenting in the hopes of capitalizing on it um that is a theme again i'm like that theme was like one step away from nailing it but it's also competing with this theme of spectacle the extreme of the lengths people will go to get what they call in the movie the oprah shot Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just i mean nowadays it's like you want to trend on twitter or go viral on tiktok things like that yeah just kind of playing into how we're just like a lot of people are zeroed in on just like having like that sort of 15 minutes of fame on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. I want one of my tweets to go viral. <laughs> I want one of my tweets to be retweeted. I want one of my tweets to be quote tweeted. You know, it's like sometimes I wonder if people actually want to get dragged. Like if people are saying incendiary things just so mm-hmm. that they are. One thing I wanted to talk about was, the actual, I, I did enjoy the approach of the alien uh, in the script. It's called the viewer. They eventually call it jean jacket, which is an interesting name for it. Um, I was really interested by 
the look of this thing and its role. Like we coming into this movie, it's sold and designed and played as a ship, you know, yeah, as a flying saucer. Saucer. I mean, and that's 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 the way it looks. Like it looks very, very much like a classic UFO flying saucer. Uh, you know, day after tomorrow, nineteen fifties. You know, panic kind of typical alien craft. As we get into this movie, we realize, oh no, this is something very, very different. That actually is where this movie is really interesting. I don't know that it necessarily lands this idea, but at the very least I'm like, okay, this is something I've never seen before where the craft is a sentient being and the, (laughs) and the craft consumes organic material that I, I think is worth the price of admission. Yeah. I mean, initially when it's like, Cause it's like kind of slowly revealed over time, like what we're actually looking at. Yeah. And even like the first hint of it, I was like, wait, is this like what I think it is? And then it turns out to be this creature. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was a cool way of kind of just slowly unraveling what's hiding in the clouds. I'm a big one for design. I, I've said this like years and years and years ago on this show, not anytime recently, but I've said I'm a big one for uh, creature design. It's one of the reasons why I love Attack the Block. I think we're setting a new record for uh, film name drops in this episode. Um, <laughs> Making up for not having the other side. <laughs> exactly. Um, it's one of the reasons why I love Attack the Block because I love the design of those creatures mm-hmm. versus other movies of that era like Cowboys versus Aliens, as a, for instance, where the aliens were the typical kind of gooey, kind of limmy, um, you know, goon. So seeing this vessel as creature um that was very unexpected and Mm -hmm. you know really something that that i could latch on to in terms of the actual you know experience and, and you know not to use that word again the spectacle of this movie yeah and then even i wasn't even expecting it to take on any other sort of form as it does in the final scenes too so that was pretty cool to just see how far their design went yeah yeah no i that's that that was really something extraordinary in this movie that i think you know like it's that's the kind of thing that that when i when i think about this movie and some of the 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 pluses and the negatives like that's that's one of the things that really balances out some of what we were talking about earlier how some of these bigger themes don't necessarily land is it possible that we're just overthinking this is it possible that he just wanted to make just a straight up entertaining yarn and put a few pieces of subtext in there the way that a typical genre movie does. I kind of think so at this point. Cause I mean, there's a lot of questions after the movie, but for me personally, I don't necessarily need them answered. It's just something more to ponder afterward, kind of just have it linger in your mind. Were there like what? I mean, just kind of like, where did this creature come from? And then... Space. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, <laughs> I mean, it could have come from the ocean floor. You never know. Yeah, but I mean, like, it just... It I mean, if somebody's asking that, you're not... Uh, sorry, I don't mean to... I don't mean to... No, no, no. Just kind of like theoretically, I yeah. mean... Yeah, if, if people... Like, I mean, if somebody's coming away from this movie wondering, but where where did it come from? 
you know, why? Yeah, like, like I said, I don't need like those sort of questions no. answered, but it's still there. Like you don't know everything. Yeah, no, I, I'm okay not knowing that. Yeah. I think we're going to, we're going to find this out for sure with it, with whatever the next movie is, is like either the next movie is going to be more of this where the themes are a little bit deeper under the surface uh, and, or not as big a part of the overall story, or we're going to go back to us and get out where it's going to absolutely be the story. Guess we'll just have to wait and see now. (laughs) I mean, he's prolific, you know, we'll be waiting for like, We'll be waiting for a year and change, and then we'll we'll get that fourth movie. It's it's interesting that you, to me that you say that you know you watched it a few weeks ago and it's faded because like this is the same year where we had everything everywhere all at once. I watched that movie back in April, and that's the kind of movie that is like so very much stuck with me that I can't yeah same quote it chapter and verse but there's a lot of that movie that i've still hung on to versus a movie like this that that is supposed to be his jam his whole brand is i'm gonna give you mass market entertainment that still comes with message and comes with craft it comes with things that you're not going to forget like you know the tapping of the teacup or the the red jumpsuits and that kind of thing this movie is handsome this movie is very well executed. This movie actually has a lot of scope of his movies. This is probably mm-hmm. the one where he really paints with the broadest brush. Um, but at the same time, it's, it doesn't have, it doesn't have as much stickiness as the other ones did. Yeah. I think the screenplay is probably the weakest link here. Yeah. Cause I feel like his directing has gotten better with his movies, but yeah, yeah. maybe yeah. the screenplay isn't quite, as strong in this movie. Well, I mean, the last two were very, I don't want to say claustrophobic because that's not the right word, but his last two were very contained. His last yeah. two generally in rooms. Um, you know, his last two were very much about being um, pinned in place, you know, whether you're in the sunken place or you're, you're trapped in one of those cottages or in that car. This movie is very, very vast. This movie is what if a black exploitation director had been able to, you know, shoot like John Ford um, is, is, with, yeah. is what this is. Um, you know, he's getting, he's obviously getting bigger and bigger budgets as he goes. And, you know, he's, he's shooting with Hoyta von Hoytema this time around. So he's got the, you know, he's got the interstellar guy shooting his movies now. Yeah. And, and IMAX. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm like this movie is huge, but the actual story, like you say, like the script it's like it needed, it either needed a little more or a little less. Yeah. I like, it almost feels like the draft before the final draft. Yeah. Like it's almost there. I wonder if with another edit, this movie would have been just a little sharper, like just, just to really refocus some of those themes. Like, I don't think it's long. I don't think it's too short. I think it is exactly what it needs to be. Mm-hmm. But just the actual um, the, the the actual pace of it, the actual payoff of some of these moments, um, I think could have been reshaped with just like one more pass. Yeah, I agree. Because it's like, like I said, I was entertained by it. I enjoyed it. But it wasn't like as completely satisfactory as I wanted it to be. That's the thing. I, I What I think is interesting is 
we're being hard on a guy after his third film. You know, like <laughs> this is this is so interesting to me that we're being hard on a relatively new director three films into his career because our expectations are what they are. That's that's both a blessing and a curse. He'll be fine. It's yeah. I mean, yeah, people are saying no to nope, but <laughs> they'll still say yes to the next ones. I mean, he's Jordan Peele after all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've said before in this show, I do enjoy what I call an interesting mess. This movie is not a mess, but I feel like it's... It's, it's a, not tidy, I yeah. guess. The other two movies are a Swiss watch. This movie is a, a digital alarm clock on my bedstand. <laughs> That, you know, it's, it's red numbers on a black LED. We end every matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible. If you could take away from this movie and keep, you would. Um, Keisha Howarth, what would be your souvenir from Jordan Peele's Nope? Well, I don't know what condition it would be in considering what happens in the movie, but I would want the hand-cranked film camera that <laughs> Antler's... Yeah, that Antlers had, mm-hmm. but considering what happened to it, I don't know. But I mean, I just want the camera itself, but the footage it captured would be a bonus too. Well, there's that, but I think you know what we learned about this movie is the camera is going to be returned to where right. It's from where but it's- I mean, I don't know if it'll like land and break, but oh, yeah. <laughs> but it's so it's, it's metal, right? Like you can put that back together. You drop your you drop your iPhone, it's toast. That kind of thing. Yeah. Is- built was built to last um yeah we you know we we haven't talked too much about this you know heist that they basically plan at the end of the movie to mm-hmm. capture like you said the oprah shot um and what they you because they know that this this alien jean jacket or the viewer as, as depending on on what you want to call it um consistently knocks out anything technological whether it's a circuit breaker or an engine or even something as simple as a, um, a generator. Uh, it can just knock out anything that has any kind of power. Um, mm-hmm. Find a way to, to capture it with completely analog, completely analog yeah. technology, which just looks so fun. You know, as somebody who still enjoys writing with fountain pens and playing vinyl records and, mm-hmm. Using, you know, using that kind of camera, that would be so much fun to shoot with. Yeah. I mean, yeah, like I said, I would just want just to try out filming stuff with it. But yeah. again, the footage would be a bonus. Yeah, this is true. Yeah, it, it captures captures some pretty epic stuff. Uh, we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Keisha Howarth, what do we give Jordan Peele's? Nope. I'm kind of in between two and a half and three but maybe leaning a little more towards three just because I do have that high regard for Jordan Peele. And I do appreciate what he was trying to kind of put forth in this movie. It wasn't perfect, but I mean, I enjoyed the ride. Yeah. I'm going to give it three. As I said, I'm going to give it three based on technique. Um, you know, it, as I said, the scale of some of this, this, this film, just the look of it, like this is the kind of film that I can actually put on and just let my eyes soak it in you know things like like that carnival is very very interesting he makes the most of that valley in between the, the, the haywood farm and jupiter's claim it's this really gorgeous landscape that's not exactly what you would call you know like visually poetic it's this really rough and dead kind of valley but in the same time 
the the rock formation is interesting. There's always these beautiful clouds in the sky. They really mm-hmm. know how to use that. How when to when to be close, when to be far. Um, you know, he really has a great field day using those floppy men that you see at a, a yeah. car. And I like how they're utilized within the story too. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like along with the fact that they are visually interesting, like they are a great device. Like it's it, that's a really really clever plot device to drop into this movie. So I'm, you know, things like that really draw me in the, the story, maybe not so much. So I'm going to give it a three um, just cause I can't, I, I can't justify giving Jordan Peele a lower bar I know. Yeah. Than, than a B minus. Um, hey, maybe you think we're wrong. Maybe you think this movie is a masterpiece. Maybe you think it's trash and we're just got stars in our eyes and uh, falling prey to the brand. Let me know. Ryan at the matinee.ca Twitter, where I am matinee underscore CA or facebook.com slash dark matinee. And um, as I mentioned, we are going to kind of skip past the other side just to get this episode out to you a little bit quicker. Uh, I mean, off the top, like the, the easy pull, if somebody has seen this movie, They'll easily want to go on and watch or rewatch Close Encounters of the Third Kind. So was there another one that jumped out for you as a movie that somebody could go on to if they wanted to after this movie? I mean, there's been a lot of comparisons to like Spielberg movies, like you mentioned, Close Encounters. I think another good one is Jaws because of the way these kind of unlikely people come together to try to take down yeah. a monster. Yeah. And it's a good know- comparison. Another one that I would actually uh, suggest that I think went overlooked in its time for reasons, which are which is actually better than it seems, is go back and watch Spielberg's War of the Worlds. Yeah, that was another one that popped into my head, and even like the fifties one too. Fifties <laughs> one is incredible, and you know, like if you really want, if you really want effect, like listen to the Nor- listen to the Orson Welles. Like, yes, that's the just like all the War of the Worlds. It's just, just, just war all of the worlds one another. <laughs> oh, I, okay. Hang on, I got one more because this one is actually twenty years old this week. If you want more of this, and you, and you and you want to go back to a time where you know somebody was a brand and somebody could deliver, go back and watch Signs. You remember Signs? Oh my God, that one image yeah. just yeah. I yeah. jumped the first time I saw that. Go back to sign. You know, like, remember when we didn't all hate Mel Gibson? Remember <laughs> when we weren't making jokes about Shyamalan? Just watch this Swiss watch of a, of a movie that at the same, that was the same thing. Third one out. People have nations. Yeah. You know, I'm starting to hear some people compare Jordan Peele to him now. I will, just because I, of their disappointment with Nope. But I, I mean, I, 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 will I don't hear, know. I will hear none of this. I will hear none of this. <laughs> Um, there we go. So, so watch some of those movies. They're all fantastic. And yeah, for the love of, I, I may, I'll see if I can find, I'm sure like on YouTube, somebody has the complete Orson Welles war of the worlds. And if somebody has never listened to that, really listen to that. It's incredible. Yeah. Um, and if not the criterion of the fifties uh, war of the worlds has it on there. Does it? Oh, yeah. It has the Orson Welles recording. Oh, oh love it. Um, that is episode 290 of the matinee cast. I'm so, so thankful that, uh, Keisha Howarth was able to come in uh, on short rest and, uh, and help me get an episode out to you folks. Um, come on back on August 22nd for episode 291. We are going to talk about 
Pig. And I know that's not a new movie. We're going to go back a little bit. And there's a very good reason why. Um, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Um, I got a very special guest lined up. So please come back. Uh, and, and and that's an easy one to find. So if you're the kind of person who can't always get out and see what we're talking about in a theater or you don't have the on-demand service that we pull from, here's one that you can find pretty much anywhere and you can listen to us talk. Uh, Keisha, if people want to follow you on Twitter, where can they find you? At Cinema Cities. Very nice. My site is thematinee.ca for more audio content. You can find back episodes um, by going to Spotify, Stitcher Radio, Apple, Google, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, Radio Public, CastBox, Podchaser. I'm everywhere. If I'm not somewhere, let me know. I'll go there too. Everything gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on, nope, uh, or anything else that we talked about today, uh, you know, Twilight, Face Off. <laughs> which were the worlds you prefer um, you can leave it in the comment section of the site you can email ryan at matinee.ca on twitter i am matinee underscore ca and there's always facebook facebook.com slash dark matinee any final thoughts is howard uh just watch more classic movies that's always my motto do you have like an underrated classic movie for people to watch i should really put one in my back pocket but i mean just thinking of more screwball comedies. Yeah, yeah. A great double feature would just be Barbara Stanwyck in The Lady Eve and Ball mm. of Fire. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll 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 second that one. I don't uh, know how underrated they are, but I mean just go watch them whether you've seen them or not. Okay. My I think my underrated one is I would point I would point people and it's not even really all that underrated, but just when you talk about a brand we were because we were talking about Billy Wilder before i would point people towards uh stalag 17 oh i love that's in like my top five billy wilder oh cool because like everybody loses their mind about the great escape but stalag 17 is you know it, it's that without the motorcycle is that is, is yeah you know but but, but both my, the bonus of william holden at one of his best performances his oscar-winning performance yeah so there we go watch those movies people and listen to war of the worlds for keisha i'm ryan we will see you at the matinee